Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome into another episode of Talking Out Loud. On tonight's show, we have David Jablonski on the back half to talk about A10 Media Day as well as his conversation with Anthony Grant who discusses signing day and the 2021 class making it officially official joining the Dayton Flyers program. Front half of the show, me and Drew are going to get into a couple more nuggets, mainly the A-10 schedule release that just happened, getting a clearer picture of Dayton's schedule. But before I get into it, I wanted to remind you that this episode is brought to you by Sherholtz Printing. That's S-C-H-U-E-R-H-O-L-Z printing.com. Family owned and operated business since 1974, located in Kettering, but servicing the entire Miami Valley. Sherholtz Printing has been a proud partner of the UD Athletics program for years, printer and season ticket holder. They make printing simple and they'll make you look good, whether it's design, pre-press, offset, promotional products, bindery. They do it all, like I said, servicing the entire Miami Valley, and they are bringing you this episode, which starts right now. Get a shot up at the buzzer, it's good! Oh. Brooks Hall! The place hits it at the buzzer! The Dayton Flyers! The and the Dayton Basketball Dunks! Sanford, all the way! Oh. The great college basketball venues in the nation, UD Arena. This is Talking Out Loud, the number one podcast in the Atlantic 10 and among Dayton Flyers basketball fans everywhere. The only podcast on the internet consistently reminding you to wear red and be loud. Welcome back, friends of the Flyer men, women, children, and everybody who loves the Dayton Flyers program. This is your host, Sully, and I am delighted to have you on for another hour of Talking Out Loud. I am joined this week by my esteemed co-host and counterpart, Drew. Drew, how's the midweek treating you? Midweek's good. It's Wednesday. Sun's out. It's a little cooler than it was over the weekend, but overall, we're feeling pretty darn good, Sully. That's what I like to hear, brother. We are recording this today on Wednesday, Veterans Day the 11th, releasing to you on Thursday the 12th. And again, we're just super delighted to have you here. Drew, I was fresh off a workout this afternoon before we started recording, and I'm I'm a mid-afternoon gym guy now, um, which lends itself to not great people watching, but certain dichotomies start to present themselves. So, like, when you go to the gym at 5 o'clock, you, you always have, like, you know, you got the, the person that's, you know, trying to get back into shape. You got, like, the hot chick on the elliptical that, like, is there every day. And, you know, you could, like, cut steel on her ass. You know, you, you have, like, all the personalities that go to a gym, right? Right. But the mid-afternoon is super confusing because the personalities are all over the place. Like, today I'm in there trying, trying to lift weights. There's a fat guy next to me that's rolling on one of those... I don't even know what you call those roll. I think they're just called rollers. You know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I know. Right? What you, yeah, yep. So there, there's that, and I'm not, I'm not shaming fat people. I lo- anytime you're getting in the gym, bettering yourself, it's great. Okay, but you know, fat guys are fat guys. Just call it like it is. Anyways, so you got the fat guy there rolling on the thing on the floor. Like I'm there lifting weights. Then you got the super buff guy next to me that's drinking a gallon of what looks like Windex. You know, so you just, it's all over the place, and I can't make heads or tails of it. And the gym. T- this afternoon is a lot like the college basketball season that is coming up right now. I really can't make heads or tails of what is going to happen with this college basketball season, how it's going to actually take place, and how many games are going to be canceled. And it's even hard to make predictions because we just don't know anything right now. You know, 
we could be in a situation in January where the conference decides that you need to sit out three weeks before you play a game. None of those procedures have happened. And it, it, backing up just a little bit, the season last year got canceled on March 13th. Okay. That means at the day of this recording, the powers that be at the NCAA had almost eight months to figure out exactly how college basketball was going to exist, how they were going to get games in. And you would have thought at this point in November that they would have learned something from the college football landscape and put, I mean, it doesn't have to be an ironclad procedural, you know, document. It just has to be, here's how we're going to get games. Here is how we're going to pivot if COVID cases turn up. And then here's how we're going to move forward from that, right? Like, I don't really think I'm asking too much of college basketball to do that. Well, sure enough, here we are. It's mid-November, and we are just now getting schedules out. And as we come to you today, sure enough, the A-10, the day after their media day, released their conference schedules. But we, we can't even get to that yet because, Drew, there was some big news that broke on Friday night. And um, needless to say... It was a gut punch to the fan base, wasn't it? It was the Clayton Kershaw sitting in the dugout by himself after giving up five runs in a playoff game. You know, that's that's how I felt when I, yeah. when I found out that Dayton was pulling out. I just wanted to sit on my couch with my hands on my like knees and just look down at the floor. That's pretty much what I did for like 30 minutes when I found out. It's a big gut punch. You know, these are all circumstances that are, you know, out of our control, if you want to say that. Um, but yeah, it's just a bummer. Um I was really looking forward to getting some quality games coming up here soon. I mean, it's right around the corner. And so, yeah, it was a very disappointing uh, start to the weekend last week. It was. And if you are not in the loop and have no idea what we're talking about, fret not, fair listener. I am going to bring you into the loop. And that's why you listen to this show. I like to think that you listen to us to become informed because this is the most intelligent hour of Dayton basketball talk on the Internet. Wouldn't you say, Drew? Yes. Okay, so in that same breath, on Friday night, I got word uh, from a few different people around the Dayton community that UD was considering backing out of the tournament that they had previously scheduled to be in in South Dakota. If you recall, about a month or two ago, uh, Duke had pulled out of this South Dakota tournament that had been relocated from the Bahamas, and then Dayton conveniently slid their way into the field seizing an opportunity to play some quality games. And we even talked about how excited we were right here on this show. So uh, earlier in the week last week, Ohio State had announced that because of the spike in cases in the state of South Dakota, that they were no longer uh, going to be traveling to South Dakota. And the reason given was that they wanted to follow the guidelines. These weren't mandates. They were guidelines from the state of Ohio and if they were to properly follow all the guidelines given by the state of Ohio, if they traveled to South Dakota, everybody would have to quarantine 14 days after they got back. Now, you know me, Drew. I'm skeptical of everything and everyone. Every time there's a rule comes out, I say, why? Show me the data. Prove to me why we're doing this. And I still, for the life of me, cannot figure out why these athletes that have the top-notch medical professionals at their fingertips. They get tested every day. Why are we waiting 14 days? What are we waiting 14 days for? So you're telling me right now that UD could go play in this tournament in South Dakota. They could come back and have to sit through a 14-day quarantine even if all of their players test negative. So it's a long way to say, after Ohio State had backed out and they had, you know, kicked the can down the road and said, oh, we can't do it. COVID threw their hands up in the air. Well, you kind of knew another shoe was going to drop. And sure enough, on Friday night, a shoe did drop. UD, following Ohio State's lead, backed out of the South Dakota tournament themselves. And the way it was told to me by people in the know was that the optics of going to the South Dakota tournament with Ohio State staying home were just too poor. And UD could not run the risk of going to that tournament, having a player you know, test positive, and then bringing it back to campus, um, especially you know, when Ohio State seemingly is overly cautious. So I really do believe, Drew, that Ohio State did this because they could. And I believe that Dayton did this because they had to. Where do you stand on that? Yeah. Uh, so basically what you're getting at is that I can just blame this all on Ohio State. 
done, sold, sign me yeah. up, blame Ohio <laughs> State. It's their fault. No, but yeah, you know, that's the thing. If the if the biggest school in your um if the biggest school in your state is playing the same event as you and they pull out, that's you know, and you go and then like you said, something happens, you know, heaven forbid, but if something happens, that's just a very bad look for the school. So I don't blame I don't blame the University of Dayton for pulling out after Ohio State did. They did what they had to do. I'm sure if you asked everyone who made that decision, you know, if at all possible, could like we could still play in that, they would sign us up and we would be there. But like you said, the optics of it and everything like that just doesn't just doesn't work out. And it's a shame. It's it's truly a shame that it happened. But it's the way it is. It's the way 2020 is going. It's the way you know we're here now, and we just got to figure it out. And that's what we're going to continue to do. So in the aftermath of UD pulling out of the South Dakota tournament after Ohio State, uh, the picture has become extremely clear as to whether or not UD and Ohio State are going to actually have a game. And let me explain to you what I mean by that. So since Ohio State pulled out and then UD, the whatever it was, next couple of days later, um, you know now that both teams have an opening on their schedule that is over Thanksgiving, same three days. And we know now that the reason that they backed out of the South Dakota tournament is because of the recommendation from the state to not leave the state. Well, how effing convenient that these two programs are inside the state. They don't have to leave the state to play each other, and they could find you would think a venue to make this happen close to the public, of course, safe for everybody so that we could get a game between UD and Ohio state recent news brought to light to this podcast is breaking news. I'll play the breaking news music. Sure. The breaking news tonight on Talking Out Loud is that UD and Ohio State reached out to each other to play a game, and Ohio State said that the game could be played if it was only a one-off at Ohio State. I am told by reliable sources that the University of Dayton declined that offer to play a one-off game in Columbus, and they have instead decided to forego this even potential relationship for future games. Take that with a grain of salt if you would like. Again, I wouldn't put it on a microphone if it wasn't from people I trusted, but it seems to me that UD and Ohio State were in talks for a game. Ohio State said, sure, come play in Columbus. UD said no. Make of that what you will. We will move this show right along because there's other things to talk about I'm just a guy that likes to report the news. On the show tonight, we had to get into, at some point, the the recruiting class signing day was today. That's November 11th. And like we said a couple weeks ago on the show, it was a historic recruiting class for UD, their best ever, two top 100 recruits, and then another three-star to go along with it, the younger brother of Scoochie Smith, who, of course, you remember, uh, Mally Smith, making up a three-man class for 2021 that actually signed and made it officially official Today, uh, David Jablonski on the back half of the program uh, will shed a little bit more light onto that. But getting into this class, Drew, um, needless to say, they're coming into the program highly touted um, just because of their recruiting rankings and the visibility that goes into such recruiting rankings uh, in 2020, right? But I am going to sit here right now on this day and say that when all is said and done, this class is going to be better than the Kyle and Scucci and Kendall class. What say you? 100. Okay, so that's taking into account all the success that they had. And they had, a, they had a whole heck of a lot of it. They're definitely the most hyped class coming into Dayton ever. And they're probably, you know, objectively speaking, the best class Dayton's had ever. I like the take. That means that Dayton's, you know, we're just, we just keep on rising and rising until we reach the sky. But... That's a that's a bold proclamation, man. That's a that's an elite eight appearance thrown in there. Some eight ten titles, regular season titles. Uh, that's that's a that's a high benchmark. But if they eclipse it, no one will be happier than you and I. 
That's what I'm saying. And so that that's what I wanted to start off with today is kind of level setting, because I know a lot of listeners don't really follow recruiting, nor should you. Um, like I said before, following the trials and tribulations of 17 year olds is not really something that I want to spend my time doing day to day. But you know, it's exciting. You know, we have the best recruiting class we've ever had. These guys, you know, coming in with some hype, got a younger brother of a flyer star. Um, you know, all things are pointing upwards. And I had said it on the first episode of the show two weeks ago that all of the little things now are starting to come together for Dayton, right? Um, you, you, we have the facilities. Fan base has already been in place, financially in a great spot. Um, even with COVID, if financially, they're always going to be in a great spot. You know, you add in recruiting, you add in player development. I mean, all of these things are just starting to come together you know, little by little. So I, I think it's an exciting time to, to be here and, and, uh, and be a Flyers fan. So before we get to the scheduling that came out today, Drew, tell the listeners what you're sipping on, because we decided last show that we were going to stay true to the beverage segment. Yes, uh, I'm not sipping on soda this week. Uh, I'm actually sipping on a Mad Tree Thunder Snow Scottish Ale. Really? Uh, very good. Very good. It's a very heavy beer. Can only drink like one or two of them. Uh, 9% alcohol, but it is very, very good. Uh, very good in the winter. It's a nice beer to drink. You know, there's no snow on the ground right now, but it's a nice uh, beer to open up when there's some snow on the ground getting around Christmas time. Uh, it's a great, great drink. And uh, I was just feeling it today. Oh, okay. Fair enough. You know, today I mixed it up as well. Uh, Mid-afternoon, I had already had two coffees, so I didn't want to go back to that well. And, uh, you know, I just, I want to take the edge off a little bit. So I went for hard seltzer, mid-afternoon hard seltzer. What's your, uh, what what seltzer brand are you repping? Okay, so there's a couple reasons why I'm on the hard seltzer. I'd mentioned number one. Number two was I had a, a small socially distanced football gathering over the weekend here at the house, you know, mostly in the backyard. And you know how it goes when people come over. They always leave like a bunch of booze, right? And yes. and most of it ends up being super random. Like I hate when my friends leave IPAs in my house because they never get drank. I hate drinking IPAs. Like I just don't do it. So in my fridge today, there was three basic hard seltzers, which I learned are brewed right down the street from my home in Chicago, Illinois. So basic hard seltzer. It's with a hint of cranberry. And I got to say, not great. But not bad either. I think if it was right on the shelf next to White Claw and it was $3 cheaper, I'd go for it, to be honest with you. So I don't know. Is that a glowing review? I think it's a pretty average review, right? Well, I mean, price point, man. It's all about price point. That's what I'm saying. That's why I brought that up. I'm like, if if you're looking at a 12-pack of White Claw, that's what, like 16 bucks now? And then you give me a 12-pack of these for $12, I'll go with it. Yeah, sign me up for that, too. The hell with it. Yeah. So I don't know what the price was. Like I said, they got left in my fridge. But anyway... I'm sipping on a basic hard seltzer. So if you see them around or you see them that not in the Chicago area, let me know because I want to see kind of what their reach is. Uh, Drew, uh, who brought us the beverage segment tonight? Beverage segment was brought to you by George at Mobile Use Car Inspections. Oh, okay. Tell me more. You, do you need an automotive expert you can trust, Sully? I, I do believe I do. Well, then George at Mobile Use Car Inspections is your man. He is an ASE certified technician who specializes in pre-purchase inspections. When you are buying a used vehicle and performs certified and IRS qualified automotive appraisals for all insurance and legal purposes. And, and he's been doing it since before BG introduced us to the four man weave. Oh, so he's been doing it for a while then. Okay. A while. He's been around the block. Okay. So if you're thinking about buying a used car, call George. He'll go to the car and check it out on site. If your car has been totaled, but your settlement amount seems too low, give George a call. If your car has been hit and now has a bad Carfax report, give George a call. Are you a big shot UD law grad? I know a few of those that needs an expert witness. George has never been defeated in court. Never defeated. Not one. Much like Sully's Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. Never defeated. Huh. Okay. So if you have any automotive questions, call George. He's always happy to provide free advice to Flyer fans anytime. Email him at info at mobileinspections.com or simply call 937-671-0768. Again, that's 937 671 Six, eight. Sounds like a trustworthy guy. Thanks for bringing us the beverage segment today, George. Moving right along in the program tonight, we had mentioned that I was on bated breath waiting for a schedule. The one thing I really, truly love doing every season, it's usually around August or September, is putting a post up on our site, BlackburnReview.com, that breaks down the non-con schedule. 
And, you know, I'm always a little irreverent with it. I'm like, I think this team sucks. I think Dayton's going to beat this team by 30. This team's going to come in and get a hot meal and we'll send them on the road. You know, I'm uh, fairly irreverent, but I'm always very honest about my non-con predictions and what's going to happen. Uh, Last year, I was a little bit uh, off, I believe, because I said that UD was going to lose three games and they lost two. Um, But again, all the predictions were off this year. Anyways. On Wednesday, Veterans Day, November 11th, the A-10 Conference released their new schedule for the year, only with conference games. So like we said at the top of the show, uh, we're not quite at the point yet where we know the entire UD schedule, but we at least know uh, what's going on in the non-conference. You know, Drew, it was my understanding that we were waiting so long for this uh, uh, conference schedule because they wanted to accommodate a reduced travel type of situation, right? They said that we're going to try and keep travel as minimal as we can. And to do that, you know, the schedule needs to be reworked. Unfortunately, that's not what happened at all. And in the year 2020, we're kind of living in this situation right now where we're going to follow COVID until the money tells us not to or like actual dollars are at stake. I mean, you saw it with college football. You saw it with the NBA. It was like, yeah, we, you know, we're locked down because of COVID, but we got to get back to work and like make money off of people. The A-10 is frankly no different. And I'll tell you exactly why. The conference released their schedules today, like I had mentioned, and it basically looks exactly like it would in any other year. Bernadette McGlade, the commissioner of the A-10, was asked about the schedule today. And they had thrown a, they had thrown out the A10 conference a lot of different scenarios. Do we do a pod in Philly over the weekend? Do we you know go to DC for a couple of days, have four teams play, everybody go home, do it again next weekend? And so apparently all options were on the table. The A10 considered all of them and then did none of them. So the commissioner was asked today, and her response was, playing back-to-back at the same site from our national perspective didn't seem like an optimal decision. In addition, Commissioner McGlade said the league wanted to fulfill its contractual obligations with its national media partners. You can see where this is going. ESPN, CBS Sports Network, and NBC Sports Network. So it built a schedule as similar as possible to to past schedules. The A-10 didn't want rivals, such as Dayton and St. Louis in the Arch Baron Cup, to play games on back-to-back nights. They wanted to space those games a month apart. So if you're reading between the lines... That basically says we wanted to follow COVID restrictions and reduce travel, but we really like making money off of our TV deals more. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. And the only thing about the schedule, and we talked about how they wanted to reduce travel, quote unquote, but looking at Dayton's schedule, and it's been kind of similar across some of the other schedules I've looked at, but Dayton opens on the road and then they play two at home, two on the road, two at home, two on the road, and then they alternate home and road for the remainder of the season. And a lot of the A-10 schedules have, they're not set up exactly like Dayton, but they're similar where you're either playing two home games in a week or playing two road games in a week. That is about the only kind of lens that I can see through, like trying to make travel as condensed as possible. But, you know, like you said, for the week of Thursday, January 5th, you go to Fordham in New York. And then the following, that, that coming Saturday, you go to North Carolina so are you traveling Ohio to New York to Ohio to Carolina, or are you just doing it in one fell swoop? That would be one of the questions I would ask if I had the opportunity to. So that's about the only kind of thing I'm seeing with the schedule and how they tried to make it. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you here. It, it doesn't look that much different. No, it doesn't look different at all. And the, um, the way that they ignored the the reduced travel was a little alarming to me <laughs> um, because there were like really easy things that you could have done. And let me give you an example, listeners. UD plays at UMass this year and they play at Rhode Island this year. Okay. UD also plays at VCU this year and at Davidson this year. Okay. VCU and Davidson, I can I can hear the argument that they're a few hours away from each other, so not all that close, okay? UMass and Rhode Island, I will not hear that argument, because while they are about two hours away from each other, they're in the same region and no one else is up there, right? URI and UMass are all by themselves. UD travels to UMass on Tuesday, February 9th. 
They come home to play St. Joe's that weekend, and then they go back to Rhode Island on Tuesday the 16th. Tell me how that makes any sense. We didn't reduce travel. They have to go to campus, play a game, go back out to the same place that they were. I mean, all of this just seems so nonsensical to me. And basically the reason that the A-10 just gave for this schedule was, well, yeah, you know, COVID sucks, but you know, we got to keep making money. And so it, it leaves me this age-old question. We just keep going back to it. It's like, so we're only going to take this seriously when there isn't money at stake? I, I just, I'm really having a hard time wrapping my head around how we've just spent eight months preparing for this. There's been lockdowns. There's been mass mandates. We're taking this very seriously. And then the A-10 basically said, eh, we got to make some TV money. Sorry, guys. Yeah, it's, you know, and there's a lot of truth into what you just said. And, you know, just following these rules and all that. But like you said, when the ass is on the line, it's like, well, just go back to what you know, I guess. And, you know, it's a very, it's a very hard topic to talk about because it's in such flux all the time. Like this schedule is in flux right now. Like, yeah. This could look completely different. You, we, we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I would say the only certainty we do have is that games will be canceled you know, one way or another. Um, you know, I, I've already taken the gut punch because I really was looking forward to the, the South Dakota tournament over Thanksgiving. Now we don't have any of that. Um so I, you know, we only have, you know, we only have down to go from here, frankly. Um, but with that in mind, now that we do have a schedule, we got to put our predictions out there just for the sake of discussion today. And I said it on Twitter this past week at Sully, my good name. You can follow me or you can follow Drew at Drew B. Um, I, that's probably bad. It's, it's D-R-E-W. Drew B-W. Yeah, yep. Drew B-W. Yeah, I got you. Sorry. So I want to make sure everybody knew your Twitter handle as well. I think that's important. Yes. Yeah. But as I look through the schedule, um, I said Dayton was a top three team in the league on our last couple of previews. Um, and I still remain you know, pre- pretty steadfast in that. My prediction is the Flyers win the A-10 this year. They go 15-3 and and they split it with SLU. They split the home and home and they are co-champions with SLU. I really do believe that's what's going to happen. Then Richmond's going to be right behind them. And then I think there's a pretty wide gap. Um, But as I said, I think one of Bonaventure, Rhode Island, maybe UMass, VCU, Duquesne, Davidson, like one of those teams might emerge out of the muck. But this really is kind of a three-team race, and I see Dayton um, and taking care of their business, frankly, at 15-3. and three. I think that the program has elevated itself to such a level that they are a comfortable step ahead of the A-10. So when it comes down to me saying, are they going to win 11 games? Are they going to win 12 games? I can generally give them another three-game bump because I just feel like the program is operating at a higher level than the rest right now, save Richmond and St. Louis who are bringing back very, very good teams. So my predictions out there in the open, Drew, what say you? I like your 15 and three mark. Um, Looking at the schedule, Dayton's, if they play how I think they're going to play and how they're capable of, they're not going to be an underdog until Tuesday, January 28th at St. Louis, which is our eighth Atlantic 10 game. I say that to say this, Dayton is going to at least start the conference season at seven to no. We're going to win the first seven. I think going away in a lot of them. wholeheartedly believe that. Yeah, I think go. I think we could win six of those by double digits. In fact, I think we could win all seven because I don't think VCU is any good. All right, list them off for the listeners. What do we got? First seven games. You're saying lock. So your first seven. seven yeah, you, you you're at you're at G Dub. That's you win that. You're you're home for LaSalle and Mason. Those should be dump truckings. You go to Fordham. That you go to Fordham. You play at Davidson. That one could be tricky, but I still think Dayton should win that game and win it kind of handily. You come home for Duquesne, home for George Washington again, and then you go to the cafeteria to play VCU, and then you're at St. Louis for Arch Baron 1, and that will be the game. You know, Dayton could very easily be favored in that game too, depending on how things go, but I think just looking at it now, Dayton's probably a slight underdog in that game. And then you go Rhode Island, Duquesne, Richmond. You're looking at potentially 10-1 and going into that first Richmond game, yeah. maybe even 11-0. and we have David Jablonski joining us later in the program, but I did want to, uh, you mentioned Duquesne, uh, who I think is the most interesting team going into A-10 play this year because um, I- I've said they've been a year away for two years, and-, and now they're finally not a year away, right? Like they're, right. they're finally bringing back all the pieces that they need. Dan Brott's been under the helm for four years. 
you know, he's got the program humming. They have the athletics or they have the support from the athletic department, from the school. They have the funding. They have a new arena. Everything's in place now. Right. And 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 Keith Danbrod had the best quote from Media Day that I've heard yet, because I don't really like to follow Media Day that much. That's why Jablo gets paid the big bucks. He goes and follows Media Day. But Keith Danbrod, coach of Duquesne, was quoted today by saying, we put ourselves in the position to be a contender which I think is true. And now we have to mature emotionally and become a championship quality team. It's as simple as that. Man, I got to tell you, when the Dayton coach um, search was open, I had said that I would have loved Keith Danbrot for the job. Obviously, you know, we lucked out, got our alum, got our guy, took us to where we are today. You know, shout out AG. But man, that is such a great quote from Danbrot because it's spot on. They have put themselves in a position to be a contender over the last couple of years. And now they have to basically, what he's saying is they have to act like a championship team. Because when you're a program like Duquesne, you go into games at Dayton, you go into games at VCU, you go into uh, games like at St. Louis. And frankly, you don't expect to win those games as a Duquesne program. You expect to go and be competitive. And if you win, ah, you stole that one. But think about Dayton now as a program at the top of the A-10. You expect to win every game, and that's because the team last year put a championship mentality back into the program, just like Kyle and Scoochie, Kendall, Cook, that class. That's what they did for Dayton, right? They said, we're no longer going to be a team that wins some, lose some in the A-10. We're going to dominate the conference year in, year out. And then again, it came to fruition last year. So I thought that was the perfect quote for Duquesne, because to be a championship type of team in the A-10, you have to have the championship mentality. You have to mature emotionally. You have to have your head on straight because you're going to get punched in the mouth a lot in this conference. I had that conversation with Brooks Hall last week. He said the same thing. Is if you take one night off in the A-10 or you think you're going to sleepwalk through a game, somebody can sneak up on you. I mean, not Fordham, but you know, it's, you know, most of the conference can sneak up on you. Um, but I, I just thought that was good wisdom from Dan Broad. Yeah, I've I've been a big Keith Danbrot fan ever since uh, he took where he coached in the MAC somewhere. Was it Akron? He was I think Akron. it was Akron. Yeah, he's an Akron guy. Yeah, yeah. I liked him at Akron a lot. Um, and when I saw that, you know, I'm I was with I'm with you there uh, when that when the opening was there. I would have been thrilled if we got Keith Danbrot. And I thought Duquesne landing him was a big big time hire by them. And you're right, that quote he basically just told his team in a a very encouraging way like it's put up or shut up time guys you know I, I've been here I've they've built the foundation now it's time to start adding the windows painting the house things like that it's time to start winning if you're a Duquesne program and I think they will I think Dan Brott's going to get the most out of them this year and I think they're going to have a very very successful season for their standards I very much agree I think that Duquesne like I said you know has been they're in that perfect position right now where it's put up or shut up time, you know, it's time to get there. So, you know, as I was thinking about the season, I, I don't like to stray too far from the lens of just looking at, at our Dayton Flyers. And with the season starting up, you know, I always think it's important to kind of put the team in a certain context going into the year where we can level set, we can set expectations. I've said that it's tournament or bust, but night to night, you have to understand what are we going to get in the Archie Miller years. You kind of knew the brand of Dayton basketball you're going to get. They're going to run the fast break. They're going to play very stout defense. You know, those were two things that were staples of the Archie Miller era. And, um, you know, as I go into this year, I, I think about one of my most fascinating careers that I think about in the year 2020, and that's being an Uber driver. And I think about being an Uber driver because it's, it's a very unique position that we have found classifying it in our world. Depending on what position you're in in your life, being an Uber driver can be negatively cast upon you or it can be a positive launching point to your success. And it all depends on what point of your life you're in. If you uh, are a successful man, you can take a look back and people will often be like, Oh man, he made it to stardom and he started as an Uber driver. How noble that he came all the way from the top, scraping for dollars, and now he's so famous and rich. And then if you are, let's say, you put out a bunch of claims that some journalists don't agree with, immediately those people can declassify you or they can um, shame you, cast a negative light on you by saying, this guy has no idea what he's talking about. He's an Uber driver for God's sake. 
So both of those things, you're, you're doing the exact same thing. You're an Uber driver. But depending on what point of your life you're in, that really kind of sways whether or not it's cast positively or negative on your whole persona, right? I say all that because I think the Dayton Flyers are in a very similar position this year where what they have just gone through can be cast in an equally positive and negative light. And Obi Toppin obviously is the person that has left our program. That's the biggest glaring issue. And then there's Landers and Mike Sell. And, you know, a, a team or sorry, uh, the league or other people, national writers can look at that and they can say, well, Dayton lost all of their biggest pieces, you know, and for a program that would be in a bad position, I think that'd be an extremely negative thing to take on. Like, well, they were building towards something, but they lost their core. Alternatively, the Dayton program finds themselves in a very unique position right now because we're at a point in our growth. And we've mentioned it a bunch of times on this show where all the pieces are starting to come together. But we're in a point in our growth where we can take a step back and say, well, Anthony Grant has put a very consistent offense in now in year three. And if you know anything about Anthony Grant, he is going to design the offense around certain players, but it will still have the fundamental capabilities that we saw last year. A lot of ball movement, a lot of spacing, NBA type of offense. And again, they're going to try to get out, not put up too many offensive rebounds and get out on the fast break, right? So... Now that we're in a different point as a program, maybe we're a little bit more mature. Maybe we're recruiting a little better. Maybe the player development's a little bit better. Maybe our coach knows a little bit more of what he's doing. We're in a better position as a program. So Obi and these other pieces leaving say, well, they left, but Dayton's going to adapt. Anthony Grant is going to adapt. He's going to figure out an offense that fits the new pieces that are there because he has players. So you see, kind of, it's the same thing. Depending on where you are in your life as a program, you're either an up-and-comer and you lost your talent and, ah, they lost their talent, they're done. Or you lost your talent, but you're strong enough to rebuild and reload. And I really see this program as being on the latter side of that example. I think that they've gotten to a point in their life where the most glaring weakness has actually become their strength because they are going to adapt with the talent that they have and move forward. And, and I really think they're going to dominate the conference again this year, Drew. Yeah, definitely. And I, you know, Anthony Grant's mission last season was how can we utilize this weapon that we have in Obi Toppin the most effective, the most efficient, and the best possible way. And he crafted an offense that people watched on television and they lauded after. I mean, people couldn't stop talking about how good Anthony Grant's offense was. The amount of people who were like, oh, it's a pro-style offense. And it is. It was a very pro-style offense. And, you know, I love that. I love how, like, sometimes Dayton fans, the loose affiliations to the NBA, we like to hold on to those. But I think those years in the NBA for Anthony Grant really opened his eyes into new ways on how he could utilize star players. And I think that is where, that's the root of why I think Anthony Grant is going to be very successful is because if he can find guys that is like, all right, I know what I have in this player and I know what I can put around him to get the most out of not only him, but his teammates as well. And I think it's identifying those players and putting them in the correct positions to succeed is what Anthony Grant has done a very, very good job of because the offense we ran last year was completely different from the offense we ran two seasons, like two seasons ago. Exactly my point. Yeah. Yeah. And so you know that Anthony Grant, he spends a lot, he's been with a lot of great basketball minds in his day. And you listen to people around basketball talk about him, and they tell you how smart and how sharp of a guy he is when it comes to the game of basketball. And I think he's going to find a very, very unique way to utilize his star players this season, being Jalen Crutcher and Ibby Watson. I think he's going to develop a great way to get those two guys a lot of looks, a lot of touches, and getting them very involved in a way that elevates the rest of the of the ball club. You know, you're my co-host because you can elaborate on the the points that I start to make, and, and that's exactly right, and that's exactly what I mean by the weakness is our greatest strength. Um, you know, we're going to run a similar offense to what we had last year, but teams have no idea how we're going to run that similar offense without Obi. And I really do think that that is what is going to be Dayton's strength. Because if you remember last year, they jumped on a lot of teams so early that 
by the time we hit the eight minute timeout, the game was over. I mean, Rhode Island was one of them. Um, Davidson was one of them. There were a lot of games where Dayton jumped on them early. They imposed their will defensively and they just bled teams out. Um, and, and so as I look at the year, I really like where Dayton's positioned against the rest of the pack. Um, you know, there's we've talked about sleeper teams and all of that, but all fair to say this is a year again, tournament or bust. And the Flyers, I, I think, it, it, let's let's set the bottom here. I think less than 13 wins in conference is a disappointment. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I completely agree. When me and Drew are in perfect unison, it tells me that it is a good time to jump off and get to our last part of the episode. Uh, Drew had to step away for this part of the show, but no worries. It's just me and Jablo going one-on-one like we're used to. So here that is right now. Let's get to it. Running out the show this evening, I am joined by the Dayton Daily News' fearless blogger covering all things Dayton Flyers and A-10 basketball, along with high school sports, OSU football. I'm talking, of course, about David David Jablonski. Moving too quickly today, Jablo, so I butchered your name up. It's, it's horrible. <laughs> it's okay. I'm the worst. <laughs> uh, you've been a busy man. I, I want to start the, the segment tonight with how impressed I was at your professionalism Friday night when the uh, the poop was hitting the fan. Dayton was backing out of the South Dakota tournament. You, I believe, retweeted something that said, UD is backing out of the tournament. And then five seconds later, you said, uh, Springboro scores a touchdown. It's 21 to 17. You seamlessly went back into your high school football coverage. I applaud you for that. That must have been difficult. Yeah, well, it was a really big game, state semifinals. Uh, so I couldn't... Uh, <laughs> Ignore the action on the field because if you step away for a second, you're going to miss a huge play, which would have <laughs> happened. But hey, that's that's all easy compared to watching a toddler at home most of my day, which is the hardest job I've got. So multitasking basketball, football at the same time, no big deal. But yeah, I was able to tweet out that news. I think Jeff Goodman reported it first, and uh, I was I was texted Neil Sullivan. And I said I don't have time to do a phone interview, but I can text you a couple questions. And he was nice enough to to respond. So we were able to get a quick story up uh, with the help of our other sports writer, Marcus Hartman. Um, but yeah, not surprising about that news. Uh, I wasn't going to South Dakota anyway. We just have limited travel throughout the company. So, yep. you know, it would have been nice for the Flyers to play some good games, but hopefully they can find somebody to play here in two weeks from today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, we, I don't know. Yeah. We talked about it on the front of the show. Uh, I woke up this morning saying to myself, man, I really want to put out Flyers content. And then I thought, I have nothing to put out right now. Nothing's happened in the last two weeks. And sure enough, about an hour later, the A-10 schedule came out. Um, And and on Friday, you know, there was Dayton backing out of the tournament. So things are starting to to move. I I wouldn't say they're moving in the right direction, but things are starting to move towards a season. Um, On the, the front part of the show, we had mentioned that UD kind of backed out of the South Dakota tournament because they felt like they had to, Um, you know, have you gotten any indication from the program, like where they think they're going to go from here and and like what, you know, what's the latest from, from inside the school about the the non-con scheduling here? No, I have no idea. I mean, I just asked Neil, is he confident they can uh, find replacements for those games? And he said, well, confidence is a a fleeting word or something like that. Uh, they, were, they would do their best over the next couple of days. So I'm sure the wheels are in motion. Um, maybe they already have uh, some games in, set up. They're just not ready to announce them. But, yeah. uh, you know, there's a lot of teams in the same situation. I think about two-thirds of the country has yet to announce a non-conference schedule. So uh, there's a lot of uh, misery loves company. And uh, if everybody's miserable because they don't have a schedule, then there's a, they're, uh, they've got lots of company. <laughs> You're right. I think uh, the D1 docket, if you want to see non-con schedules be released in real time on Twitter, follow at D1 docket. Uh, They do a great job. Uh, Puts out a spreadsheet every year of all the teams non-conference games. Pulitzer Prize winning Twitter account right there. That's that that is very uh, useful stuff for us, all of us. I know it's useful stuff for guys like you because you don't have to do the work of being like, did someone release the Dayton Flyer schedule? All you got to do is follow them and let you know. (laughs) <laughs> well, sometimes you can pick up opponents Dayton is playing who have already released their non-conference schedule, even if Dayton hasn't. So I've been looking for that. Yeah. And there, there are about 100 teams out there, and Dayton's not on any of them, except yep. maybe Ole uh, Miss. Except yeah. Ole Miss, right. So yep. 
Um, yeah, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, where they put like a couple of games on their websites. Um, but you had the privilege to talk to Anthony Grant today. Uh, but it, it was based on recruiting. We mentioned top of the show that uh, UD has three new recruits coming in. I boldly proclaimed they were going to be the best class that we have seen in the last 10 years, beating out Scoochie and Kendall and Kyle's class. But what did, uh, what did AG have to tell you about recruiting today? Well, he's very excited about the class. He really uh, praised his staff for the, the teamwork. Uh, Ricardo Greer, Anthony Solomon, Darren Hurts, you know, some of them are lead guys, but they're all on um, each of the recruits and some of them are the point guys on each of those guys. But everybody's involved in the recruiting uh, of all the guys. And it was a challenging year because, you know, uh, Malachi had not been on campus since 2017 when Scucci was a senior. And then and he was to, like, what, 13? <laughs> yeah, he barely remembers it. Grant. No had beers a in the ghetto. Brief meeting with him then, but you know, I had no idea he'd be recruiting him a couple years down the line, or maybe maybe he thought he did. Um, but he didn't get to go and visit UD as a recruit. Neither did uh, Holmes, who's from Phoenix and now plays in uh, Georgia. Uh, Caleb Washington did come to campus uh, in October, but it wasn't able to meet with the coaches because of uh, NCAA uh, the new recruiting rules during this uh, uh, <laughs> pandemic. But he did meet with uh, Ibby and Rodney, Ibby Chapman and. Or maybe Watson and Rodney Chapman outside the, the Kernan Center, according to one of his coaches. So he, he got more than some. So, uh, you know, there were advantages and disadvantages probably to that. I mean, none of the other schools got these guys on campus either. So, Well, I, I like to think – so, like, there's nothing I love right now than – thinking about like exceptions to COVID rules. And, um, you know, we had mentioned earlier that Ohio State backed out of South Dakota. And if it was up to UD, they probably wouldn't. Um, They probably would play it because they need those games, right? And so now on like a a much more nitpicky, minuscule light, uh, the – people on listeners might not know, but like Jablo said, you can't meet with recruits right now. It's an NCAA rule, but for a while there, nothing was stopping recruits from coming to campus. So I just imagine AG setting up at Bojan field and just talking to them from like one goal to the other, just yelling <laughs> at recruits because they, you can't meet with them, but nothing says that you can't happen to be in the same place as them while they're on campus. Well, so. yeah, I don't know exactly <laughs> how the rules work. You're just, they're just not allowed to pay for them to come to campus. So Caleb yeah. had to pay for his own, pl- own way. And he was coming from uh, from uh, Georgia, Atlanta. So it wasn't too bad of a drive. Yeah. So it made it more possible. Yeah, I just, I just, like I said, I like to picture he's sitting at one goal in Bojan Field and Caleb Washington's at the other and they're having a conversation on two ends of a soccer field. Like, that's what I want to picture recruiting was like in the offseason. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, the, the NCAA came down on hard on UMass Tennis, right, a couple of weeks ago. So uh, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't yeah, think yeah. AG wants to taunt them. The, <laughs> he's not Sean Miller. He's not going to get away with everything at this point. Uh, Will Wade, uh, whoever else you want to name in that category. So with all that in mind, COVID rules and 2020 and, and such, um, you know, from your perspective, what has, the, I guess, like, what are the procedures or what can you expect as a media member that covers a team? I mean, you sit on the baseline of every game and I know there's, um, you know, they have like kind of a framework for how they think it's going to work, have maybe a couple hundred people in the arena. But have you gotten any indication from UD or otherwise about how the season's going to go for you personally in the media? Um, nothing official from UD. It was talked about a little bit on the uh, A-10 conference call with uh, Drew Dickerson, the, uh, the head PR guy for the A-10. And, you know, he mentioned what we already know. There's going to be nothing but Zoom interviews all season. Um, I would expect that even throughout the NCAA tournament because I don't think this pandemic's going away before then. Nope. Um, as far as shoot, sitting on the court, I don't think I'll be doing that at all this year. I'll be up in the stands probably. And there should be plenty of room in the stands because most of the seats will be empty. Um, yeah. You know, I've been lucky. I was at the Cincinnati Reds opening day in the stands shooting photos. I was at Ohio State's first game in the stands shooting photos. Probably the only person at either that, at both of those games. So uh, that's an answer to a Jeopardy question 20 years from now. Um, <laughs> Um, so I was lucky, but I was in the arena and I have a big lens, so I can shoot from afar. So I assume it'll be similar for Dayton games. Uh, I don't know if I'll be going to any road games this year. Who knows uh, what our company policy will be, uh, yeah. about that. Uh, hopefully at least the A-10 tournament and the postseason if, if Dayton makes the NCAA tournament, but, um, who knows? It's, uh, it's still, everything is up in the air, including the schedule still, but we're <laughs> used to that. It's 2020. 
<laughs> we are very used to that. Yeah. Before we get to uh, the A10 Commissioner Media um, interview today, um, if you hadn't heard, part of the Media Day schedule release for the A10 was that uh, the commissioner went on a Zoom call and kind of made some proclamations to as a how things were going to go and whatnot. But um, talking to David Jablonski here at Dayton Daily News, if you're just joining us uh, here on Talking Out Loud. But covering these sports, you just alluded to it a little bit, uh, you know, covering baseball, covering college football. Now it's going to be college basketball. What's the single weirdest part about covering these events in the pandemic year? Well, I guess just having no fans, no real atmosphere, the, the crowd noise, the fake crowd noise was weird at the beginning. I think we're all used to that now. Um, and we're used to the empty seats, too, but it's certainly weird, especially at the first Reds game, uh, knowing what that is usually like and then seeing the differences. Um, but we're all used to it by now. I mean, it's, we're just glad the games are going on, mostly going on. Ohio State's game against Maryland just got canceled. I know Alabama's off this weekend. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. I mean, I vote. Uh, this is the first year I've been voting in the AP football poll, and I also got a basketball vote. And, you know, for a month there, I wasn't voting for anybody in the Big Ten because they weren't playing games. Yeah. Um, there were only like 11 guys doing that, but I was like, this is silly. I'm not going to vote for them for a whole month um, if they're not playing. So it's been a challenge. Uh, but like I said, 2020, that's what we're <laughs> dealing with. Yeah. How did the, the AP vote came about? So they I, I think they have what, like 30 people that vote in the AP poll. And um, some people come out, some people go in. There's a, a shuffling and, and what you just kind of get an email from the AP, right? That says, do you want to do this? Yeah. Um, uh, there are about 60 people in each poll. My kid's crying in the background. Chase, what's wrong, buddy? No, um, so, um, baby. yeah. Hey, Chase, come here. Um, <laughs> so yeah, just, uh, Mitch Stacy from the AP in Columbus asked me, he's an OU grad. We, we talked a lot and he just asked me if I'd do it. And I think they like all the States to be represented in different angles. Uh, they don't always choose like the number one beat guys cause they don't want people to be, uh, biased. Homers. They're really, they don't want to be homeless. Not that the beat guys are all homeless, but, um, I don't, I cover Ohio state, but I'm not there every day. So. Um, it's so you're telling me I'm not going to get an AP vote for, for Dayton. <laughs> uh, after after your takedown of John Feinstein on Twitter the other day? No. I'm just glad I voted for Houston after seeing that. Man, I didn't even know Houston had that many fans, you know? Yeah. yeah. Who knew? If you, Who knew? If, if you don't know what Jabla was talking about, there was, a, um, there was a, a writer that gets to vote in the AP poll who was waxing poetic about how mean the fans were and they hurt his feelings and he's done voting in the AP because Houston fans are so mean. It's like, oh my god, can you just go cry somewhere else, man? Like, guys, nobody has time for this. No, it is annoying when they come after you like that, but I would not have reacted that way. But then I haven't been, yeah. haven't been doing it that long, and I, I wouldn't get the same reaction as a as Feinstein, who's a little bit more high, high profile than me. I don't. I, I've had I've had Auburn fans come after me, Alabama, but not in that kind of a. Uh, the droves that I think that they came after Feinstein. <laughs> yeah, well, they really went say, after him. We're going to have to do a segment on the podcast um, coming up every week now where we say, what was the tweet of the week like fans spewing vitriol at you? And yeah, we're unfortunately, it hasn't been as bad as I thought. I was hoping to get even more hate mail, uh, <laughs> especially when I wasn't voting for Ohio State for a month, but it's not been that bad. And not, not a single Dayton fan came after me for not giving them a top 25 vote. So, no, nah, that's where we're at. You know, I, I like to think that I level set the fan base a little bit, at least on Twitter, to say, like, hey, you know, the team's got to earn their respect a little bit. Ken Palm Rankings came out, had us top 50, but, you know, not top 25. We just got to earn our way onto that. So, it's it's fine. It's not a big deal. And if, you know, if somebody hasn't told you to die on Twitter, then, like, you haven't really lived. You know, it. it it really does heighten the experience for you a little bit. Yeah. But to- yeah it's, I'm, I, at some point, it, it does tell you that the polls do, do mean something, even if they don't really mean anything. They do mean something if they if they, they incite that kind of reaction. You know what I mean? Yeah, they, they mean something to somebody somewhere. Yes. Um, <laughs> wrap it up with David Jablonski from Dayton Daily News. Um, you know, what can we take from the commissioner's call today? I... I I really applaud her effort all the time to she answers in a very clear, concise manner. Even if you don't agree with her, she says, here's why we made the decisions we did. Um, earlier we sh- in the show, we talked about how they wanted to reduce travel and then they ended up not doing that. Um, but, you know, did you have a, a takeaway from the commissioner's call today that kind of stood out to you? I think they just looked at every single possibility and in the end decided to pretty much do it the same way they've always done it because mm-hmm. they want to preserve uh, the relationships with the TV networks who you know, they want to be on the, in the best position possible with ESPN and NBC, CBS Sports Network. Um, and so, you know, playing back games on back-to-back days like the Horizon League 
um, maybe wouldn't have put them in the best position. So in the end, you're basically looking at a schedule that's very similar with a little bit of flexibility built in with some open dates here and there uh, for postponements uh, if that happens, which they expect to happen. So, um, you know, she mentioned they're prepared for all sorts of possibilities, like taking teams to pods or changing the sites of games and, you know, all that could come into play too. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll see, you know, pandemics just getting worse and, uh, you know, it's a lot worse right now than it was when they canceled the NCAA tournament. So, uh, you know, at the very least, maybe they should just bring back the 2020 NCAA tournament. I bet we could get some Dayton fans on board with that. <laughs> yeah. Is that the solution we're all headed towards now? Yeah, it's just, like, well, you know what? Cancel the season. Let's go back. La- to where we cancel were. this season. Let's go back to last season to start there. That was Bob <laughs> Huggins idea, uh, back in the spring. He just wanted to start where we ended off. Uh, which, which you know, you know, I don't, I don't know if Obi's uh, agents would let that happen, but uh, you <laughs> I was know. gonna say we're gonna have to halt the draft for another month and a half. Yeah, I'm sure Charlotte would let Jerry Matos come back for a couple games. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how uh, CAA would let Obi out of his contractual obligations. Like, you know, I, I like a scenario where Obi gets drafted by like the Cavs or uh, the Bulls, and then he has to fly back to Dayton to like practice with the team, and then. <laughs> Get ready for the NBA season. Yeah, that, yeah. I like that. <laughs> no, yeah, that's probably not going to happen, but one can dream. All, all possibilities on the table. Um, Jablo, we can expect the same hard-hitting coverage from you, pandemic or not, headed into the season, right? Uh, yeah, I'll do my best. If I'm not there, it's not going to be the same. You won't get video and photos like usual. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I assume I'll probably be, at least be at the home games. Uh, but I just I just don't know about the, the away games. Uh, um, and uh, we'll see. It'll depend on the access to if, you know, if it's all by zoom, which it will be, you know, they may just say, Hey, do it at home. Yep. And that is certainly what we are becoming accustomed to in the year 2020. Um, Jablo, as always, it's, it's great to catch up with you, man. Thanks for rounding out the show with us tonight, giving us your insights. No problem. Anytime. So that'll do it for our show tonight. Uh, You can still purchase UD hockey jerseys if you would like one. And I always have to remind you, shameless plug, we're on ESPN Radio in Dayton, 1410 Wing AM, every Thursday night, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern. So if you want to hear like a different part of the podcast or just like, you know, get the experience again within live radio, but like more commercials, tune in. We're going to be there all year, every week on Thursdays, and then we're going to be coming to you with new podcast episodes right here. Uh, if you guys still enjoy it, go rate us. It helps us on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast. Go rate us, put a review on there. Just help us out. You know, if you do that, I'll keep making a better show. It sounds like a good deal, right? I'm going to start taking you out with Real Big Fish, uh, the song Beer, because it's about drinking a beer and just like forgetting your problems. That, there's that right there. Let's take you out with this. Um, you know, let's give you another show next week. All right. You know the rules. You wear red, you be loud, and, um, you know, maybe we'll, we'll catch you next time. She called me late last night, say she loved me so. Didn't matter anymore. I say she never cared and that she never will. I do it all again. I kiss all out to wait.
next time I'll remember what you do. She looks like heaven. Maybe this is hell. She said she'd do it all again. She promised not to tell. If I get drunk for I pass out on the floor now, baby. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. 